Hello, hi, ladies and uh, gentlemen, and a warm welcome. I do hope you are well. And first of all, thank you so much for listening. This is uh, the Fleeting Glimpse podcast. A podcast I'll do my very best to waste some of your time. Movies, cars, and memories are the key words. Plans for this session, a short introduction to this podcast, then we move over to part one, where I talk about a movie I've seen during the course of my life. And in the second part, I will geek out and talk about a car I recognized or glimpsed on said movie. And then, well, we'll see where the road takes us. So without further delay, please let me introduce myself. My name is Eric, and I'm speaking to you from the city of Bergen in Norway, Scandinavia. This is the rocky northern part of Europe. I'm doing this uh, podcast in English, which is not my first language. Being Norwegian, I speak Norwegian. So why do I do it in English? Well, I seek to better my language skills and maybe reach out to listeners beyond our rocky borders. Do forgive me for errors in pronunciation and my sometimes limited uh, vocabulary. There will be mistakes, but I will hope, I do hope you will bear with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start talking about uh, part one of this podcast, the movie. And the movie I'd like uh, to talk to you about uh, is called uh, Shoot to Kill, also known as uh, Deadly Pursuit here in Europe, starring Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger and Kirsty Alley. Quite an overlooked uh, action-adventure uh, movie from the late uh, 80s. And to give you some uh, context, uh, Hollywood movies premiered uh, later in Europe uh, in those days. So it wasn't until the summer of uh, 88 that I uh, noticed it in the local town newspaper. And uh, let's go back in time to the summer of 1988. And what happened in 1988? I was 14 years old on a summer vacation uh, to my father's uh, home on the south coast of uh, Norway. We went there every summer to stay at my father's old house, which was uh, perfectly situated just a few hundred meters from the cinema. And the town, uh, Bay being very small, had a decent uh, movie theater. And uh, I spent uh, most of my allowance there. So 1988, I don't remember much, I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, on the world stage, uh, the Russians uh, were pulling out of uh, Afghanistan after a failed uh, invasion. Might sound familiar to you. In uh, Norway, uh, much more quiet. Uh, the only thing that happened, and I, I missed it completely because uh, I was a kid, uh, there was a new smoking legislation. It was the start of the smoking legislation that you could not uh, smoke anywhere you wanted anymore. And this was, of course, the start of a much more uh, rigid uh, smoking uh, legislation, which uh, affected my father because he was uh, smoking a lot. I'm sure they discussed it. But for me, uh, all that mattered was uh, the lazy summer days and uh, going to the movie theater. So I got a bit uh, nerdy and I went uh, to the newspaper records uh, of this uh, small place uh, uh, from that era. It's available online and I checked out the movie uh, 
theater uh, listings and some memories sprang up. Uh, besides uh, Shoot to Kill, there was uh, other movies uh, playing and uh, Police Academy 5 was uh, running that summer. Bestseller and uh, Malone will, with Burt Reynolds was also. I have to admit I watched uh, Police Academy 5, of course. Uh, not much else to do. But you understand that uh, Hollywood uh, movies uh, were very popular. Uh, not so much uh, choice. And I guess that's what shaped us as uh, kids uh, growing up uh, watching uh, Hollywood movies, listening to English, and um, they were not dubbed in Norway, uh, which is a good thing if you ask me. You get to you get to learn the language uh, when you listen to it, and uh, get the pro proper actors to uh, to say the, <laughs> the the words. So I'm I'm very happy that uh, they have to, they didn't dub anything like they do in. Uh, Germany and France. But here I am rambling on, uh, wasting your time again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I give you a short plot of uh, this movie without ruining, ruining it for you. Uh, we have uh, Sidney Poitier playing Warren Stanton, FBI agent from San Francisco, hunting a killer that leads him to the Pacific Northwest, where he, being uh, very much out of his element, uh, needs to get help from a local tracker. Uh, Jonathan Knox, played by Tom Berenger. And together they hunt the antagonist and his hostage, Sarah Rennell, played by Kirsty Alley. Now that's as short as plot I was going to give you. Uh, this one, um, uh, I want you to uh, see yourself. And I don't want to give away uh, anything more because it is uh, important that you uh, stay in the dark. And this has to do with the identity of uh, the killer. But uh, I'll talk about uh, the actors here. Uh, Sydney, uh, movie icon, Academy Award uh, winner, back after 11-year break. Uh, and uh, that's probably why I haven't seen him before. Uh, he was completely unknown to me at the age of uh, 14, but of course a uh, legend uh, in the movie business already then. Tom Berenger. More of an 80s icon, known from movies like The Big Chill, Platoon, and uh, Major League. Tom, of course, uh, back here in this uh, uh, typical uh, 80s action movies, without the pillow face uh, from, and the do-rag from Platoon. He changed it out with a headband, uh, which is proper for the, uh, for the era. And um, Kirstie Alley well-known uh, from Cheers. Uh, this was at the height of her Cheers uh, period. Well-known uh, actors at the time and probably familiar to you as well. And this movie is a typical body film. Uh, if you wonder what that is, uh, it's a film portrays the pairing of two people, often the same sex, historically men, uh, and a friendship uh, between uh, these two people are the key relationship in a body film. They come from uh, usually different uh, backgrounds, different personalities, uh, and they tend to misunderstand one another. And oh man, how many times I've seen this in movies. Uh, through the events of a uh, body film, they gain a stronger friendship and uh, mutual respect. And uh, body films um, uh, especially relates to class, race, and gender. 
And uh, this uh, movie, Shoot to Kill or Deadly Pursuit, is a uh, typical, typical movie, typical body movie. You have Sidney Poitier, the stone-faced uh, FBI uh, agent from the big city, with his city ways, uh, coming up in the mountains where he meets uh, Tom Berenger or Jonathan Knox. Tracker and the, uh, the local know-it-all who is uh, no-nonsense and uh, certainly got no time for city people like uh, like uh, Stanton. He ain't gonna make it out there, Dave. He's only gonna get my way. Don't bet on it. There ain't no elevators out there, mister. No cable cars, no buses, no damn taxi cabs. So why don't you settle your ass at the motel and I'll do what I do best. Mr. Knox, you've got one choice, and one choice only. That is to guide me into those mountains. That is the one way, the only way, you will be permitted to help your friend. You're not a vigilante. You will be acting under my authority, under my orders. Question so far? But that's why uh, body films are, are fun to watch. Uh, during the course of the movies, these two uh, uh, grow uh, close to each other. They... Uh, Learn each other's uh, to respect each other, and I'm sure you, dear listener, are familiar with this as well. Uh, some examples of uh, male body films from the same era: Forty Eight Hours with uh, Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, and uh, Stakeout with uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez. Also, they had the uh, sequels: uh, these another Forty Eight Hours and uh, uh, another Stakeout. But uh, let's not talk about. Uh, them. <laughs> However, these uh, movies I mentioned, I'm small digression here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 48 Hours and uh, Stakeout, uh, the, uh, they have uh, cars that are worth mentioning and play an important part. Um, to give you an example of a female body film, of course, you, you probably said it already, Thelma and Louise and the car. Oh, don't get me started. Let's stick to this movie here, Deadly Pursuit. Interestingly, uh, uh, as it was called Shoot to Kill in the US when it came out, uh, it didn't receive that name here in Europe. Like I said, uh, they named it Deadly Pursuit. And you may wonder why. Uh, the reason is, uh, I think a year before or so, there was a mass shooting in Britain. Uh, and um, uh, when the movie came out, they, they found out that, uh, or they thought that perhaps it was not a good idea to put up posters all over Britain with, uh, with Shoot to Kill exclamation mark and um, uh, I think uh, I can uh, I can relate to that uh, probably a good idea to, to change it and the, if you ask me the the movie name uh, that they got here in Europe Deadly Pursuit is uh, very accurate and uh, I like it actually better perhaps you agree with me dear listener um, because it is indeed uh, a Deadly Pursuit you can say this movie is uh, it's a bit of a road movie as well, uh, as they hunt the killer through beautiful scenery in uh, British Columbia. So the film follows a formula and it does it quite well, uh, in my humble opinion. The acting is also good, uh, same humble opinion, uh, by the way. Poitier, stoic, stone-faced agent, Tom Berenger, without the scars from Platoon scoffing at the Poitier's unfamiliar handling of the mountain life. Which is a type you can find here in Norway quite often, 
and I guess that's probably why I like this movie as well. It it was uh, it rang something that was familiar to me. Uh, of course, the beautiful scenery uh, felt like home when I saw it. Uh, I recognized it for oh, this is just like here. I thought, and um, beautiful British Columbia, definitely a place to visit. Um, and uh, when something is familiar to you in movies, you uh, you immediately get drawn in. And that uh, this type um, that Tom Berenger is playing, Jonathan Knox, the uh, this character is is a is a character you I think you would all also find uh, a lot of uh, that kind of people here in Norway. Uh, lots of knowledge about hiking and uh, what to wear and. Uh, uh, not so friendly towards uh, city folk or uh, or any other folk uh, apart from their own if you know what i'm and i'm sure uh, uh, if you travel here to norway uh, and, and you uh, go hiking in the mountains a lot of people come here to do, do that then you probably meet uh, this uh, typical norwegian uh, they will look at you with a skeptical eye and uh, a worried perhaps a worried look as well and ask you, are you, are you really ready for this hike? Uh, what kind of clothes do you have? And uh, because I've seen this type of uh, person uh, a lot in my life. And it's a bit funny. And uh, this uh, Jonathan Knox, you'll, you'll, if you come here, you'll definitely meet him. And he'll give you some uh, friendly advice in uh, bad English uh, before you head out into the mountains. But perhaps it's a good thing. Worth uh, person worth listening to, as one should not uh, underestimate uh, nature, of course. So that's two obvious things that I appreciate about this uh, movie. Uh, but there's also an important thing uh, uh, in this movie, and uh, it managed to hide the identity of the killer for a very long time, uh, and it does it quite well. Added, adding the suspense and you find yourself, uh, what's the expression, sitting at the end of your seat there, uh, as I did in the uh, movie theater. And, um, and I think that's the, probably uh, one of the main things uh, that uh, intrigued me about this movie, uh, how, they, uh, how they managed to, to keep you tense all the time, keep you in the dark about the identity of the killer. And uh, I'm not going to give away anything here, because I give you the name of the antagonist, you, you immediately... Uh, will uh, identify him or her. That's enough said. So uh, some things that the movie uh, is not doing so well. Uh, there are, of course, uh, obvious uh, plot holes. I won't go into that. But also the female character in the movie, uh, Kirsty Alley, uh, she plays the uh, typical damsel in distress. She's taking... Uh, taken hostage by the antagonist and uh, well the character she's playing isn't given much uh, leeway of course as a hostage and this may be uh, typical of uh, female roles in 80s films uh, thinking back uh, I thought uh, equality was uh, or gender equality had come a long way but uh, uh, you, you see through the uh, decade uh, well the era uh, it hadn't gone very far as such, the female roles in 80s films, uh, well, uh, I remember, uh, I guess, uh, only Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, one of also one of my favorite movies, uh, where they finally got a female lead, which was uh, really uh, 
well, the female Rambo, as it was uh, described uh, in the newspapers back then. But uh, that's how it is in this male body film. The female character uh, is uh, put a little bit in the background, which is also uh, typical. I want to go over and help the others. Okay. When they come back, I want you to give them a hand out, okay? Sarah? Yeah? Your boyfriend. How does he feel about you being out here alone with the five of us like this, huh? Well, it's not really up to him, is it? Uh-huh. I've always been pretty good at taking care of myself. Let's not forget uh, the director, Roger Spottiswood, Canadian uh, director. Also, uh, no stranger to body movies, actually. Uh, he was part of the writing team for 48 Hours, uh, which I mentioned earlier. And his next film after Shoot to Kill was um, Turner and Hooch. I'm sure many of you remember that one about uh, a man and a dog. Sort of a body film. Uh, so that proves it can be between a man and uh, animal as well. He directed uh, Air America. Uh, some of you remember with uh, Mel Gibson and uh, also James Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies uh, he's also uh, made recently well recently uh, relatively speaking in 2016 he directed a street cat named Bob and if you haven't seen that one it's uh, quite uh, a pleasure to watch that movie so ladies and gentlemen let's move over to the final part which is about the car and in movies and uh, TV shows, uh, cars are important props. And in my opinion, even uh, they even act as a supporting actor. They make uh, period films feel like they are set in the past. And uh, they give them the character and identity and uh, add action and speed to chases. They define characters or they are characters themselves. Sometimes they're the center of the shot and other times uh, they're in the background just helping to set this scene just glimpsed there and uh, also in this movie uh, shoot to kill there are uh, quite a bit of cars that I've noticed that I noticed back then in 1988 after seeing a movie uh, two or three times you you learn to appreciate some some details and in this movie deadly pursuit we have uh, a few cars that I mentioned there's uh, the uh, Jeep Grand uh, Wagoneer SJ which is involved in a car chase and it's easily recognizable and also there's the uh, Mercedes-Benz 300E beautiful car but the car I like to talk about uh, is not uh, on the screen uh, for many seconds it's a 1985 Mercury Grand Marquis LS it's quite a fancy name uh, if you ask me uh, Grand Marquis which is actually a uh, uh, hereditary rank in uh, various uh, European uh, countries. It sounds like a nobleman, and uh, I guess it's a uh, it's a good uh, selling point for a manufacturer to name a car like that. And uh, not only Mercury did this. Uh, there's the example of the the Chrysler LeBaron, famous from um, Seinfeld. If you remember that episode, I won't get into that, but. Uh, I'm sure no Baron ever put his uh, feet inside a Chrysler, a Baron. There's the uh, Opel Commodore also, so European brands did the same. And usually uh, uh, when the car was giving these, these noble names, it meant that this was uh, 
signal to the customer this was a high-end uh, car and uh, one of the more expensive ones. And this one, the 1985 Mercury Grand Marquis LS. Uh, this line went from 83 to 87 and it's quite a handsome car if you ask me. And if I ask my 14-year-old self back in 1988, I would uh, definitely agree. American cars uh, were exotic uh, for, for me back then. You have to remember that in Norway uh, uh, in the 80s, uh, there weren't many around uh, and uh, they were not built for Norwegian uh, uh, winding roads and narrow roads. Uh, so uh, usually uh, the European cars were made uh, quite a bit smaller. So uh, that's one reason I like the car. It's, it's big, it's handsome, but it's also got one of the best designs behind uh, rear uh, ends, uh, <laughs> rear end of a car, if that's how to put it. It's a pinstripe taillights that runs almost the entire length of the trunk, only interrupted in the middle by the number plate section. And back then in 1988, I noticed this, uh, this, uh, these taillights, and, uh, and I thought this was quite a, quite a beautiful car. I still think so. And maybe uh, in the US, this is already uh, a classic. Uh, perhaps it's sought of, uh, sought after. Perhaps not. But in uh, the movie uh, "Shoot to Kill" or "Deadly Pursuit," it is used by the antagonist, and I find it suits uh, the antagonist uh, pretty good. The car is uh, looking uh, kind of mean and uh, it is uh, dark color it's actually brown and uh, so you wonder why they use this uh, they chose this car probably uh, it doesn't have to be a reason at all behind it uh, I mean uh, the manufacturers uh, manufactured this uh, this line of cars in uh, in Canada so maybe it was a easy choice since much of the filming was in uh, British Columbia Columbia in Canada and uh, it's a four-door sedan it's a engine is for the 5 liter Windsor V8 and I imagine this is a very comfortable car. I've never been in one but uh, suspension and everything it looks like a real highway cruiser and um, probably a lot of uh, space in the trunk for all those suitcases entire family can fit in that one and uh, so different then from my father's old Volvo I'm not going to talk too much about uh, the car anymore. I, I mentioned it, and now you can uh, you can see for yourself. I know many of these cars came with uh, uh, an option between uh, leather seats or or velour. Velour, if you ask me, is not so appealing. And during the '80s, they tend to uh, have these uh, really um, loud colors, uh, bright red uh, uh, or blue. And it made uh, the interior looks like a part of a casino or, or even a, a disco sometimes. Uh, so definitely, uh, I would prefer leather seats on a on a car like this. The name Grand Marquis is uh, gone out of production. Uh, it disappeared in uh, 2011. The final Grand Marquis uh, was produced by Ford of Canada, and the Mercury brand is also gone after nearly two point. 8 million produced and uh, Grand Marquis was the longest produced Mercury model line and uh, second only to the Cougar which also is a beautiful beautiful muscle car 
I'm sure the brand and uh, the Grand Marquis is missed by many. Uh, I would like to own a comfortable vehicle like uh, this myself, but uh, still, uh, in Norway, it's it's not a practical vehicle to have. It's a funny thing. I think uh, uh, younger people nowadays uh, they uh, they use some kind of tape on their uh, on the taillights to make it uh, look like. Uh, pinstripe so uh, so maybe the grand marquee uh, this line from uh, 83 to 87 was ahead of its time i should also mention uh, going back to the movie and the actor Sidney Poitier he passed away uh, earlier this year 94 years old uh, he was and uh, there is a documentary uh, out uh, called uh, Sydney and uh, i'm definitely i haven't seen it but i'm definitely going to to watch it and a funny thing, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of his children, his daughter, showed up in a in a movie I saw just a week ago. Not a new movie. Uh, this is also a car movie, and uh, I'm actually strange that I haven't seen that movie before. It's of course the movie Death Proof, uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Quite a few cars to talk about in that movie as well. I think uh, the daughter of Sydney Poitier, Sydney with a Y, is uh, seen driving in a, what looks to be a 96 Honda Civic, which uh, has an unpleasant meeting with a 71 Chevy Nova. But that's a story for another day. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am editing myself in here rather clumsily, but um, it's important because uh, just recently got the sad news that uh, Kirsty Alley has... Uh, has passed away. She died at the age of 71 and uh, very sad news indeed. Uh, this, this means that uh, two main actors from this movie, Sidney Poitier and Kirstie Alley, are now lost to us. But that is all the more reason to, to take a look at this movie and uh, their legacy. Now, uh, thinking about this movie and those summers I had uh, at this small town uh, in south of Norway, it got me thinking uh, a little bit. Uh, some memories showed up. And, uh, I remember a few years before, uh, there was also a summer, we was in the same place. Uh, and these uh, summers could be quite boring, especially if you were an introvert uh, like myself. Not so easy to make friends uh, during uh, the span of a summer holiday. So I, uh, I had to do something and... Uh, I sometimes uh, joined my sister and her friends uh, and went to see one of the movies they wanted to see. And uh, I remember this uh, quite vividly. Uh, the movie they wanted to see and that I, I, I joined, uh, I remember being a bit embarrassed uh, going into the movie theater. And the reason uh, this movie was uh, Terms of Endearment from nineteen. Uh, 19- 83, starring uh, Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger, and uh, Jack Nicholson. I think uh, Danny DeVito also had a, a role in this movie. And for a young boy, uh, uh, like I was back then, uh, this movie was not very interesting, I can tell you. And uh, I remember the movie poster, uh, it said uh, Terms of Endearment, and also had uh, three X's uh, underneath those that uh, title. And maybe back then uh, I thought that would mean that there was some kind of nudity or, or something going on. But um, needless to say, I was quite disappointed. But I do remember they uh, 
they drove an old uh, rickety station wagon or something that I could not identify. I can't remember now anyway what kind of car it was. But uh, I'll definitely have to revisit that movie. It's a quite uh, high-rated movie on uh, IMDb. So maybe I'll uh, do a podcast uh, uh, <laughs> about the terms of endearment as well. Maybe Jack Nicholson was driving some kind of sports car in that movie. Hmm, interesting. This uh, has to be uh, investigated. But that's for another time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much for joining me uh, in uh, this uh, uh, podcast. This is Fleeting Glimpse. I am your host, Eric. If I haven't bored you to death already, I'll, uh, I'll try again uh, uh, next time. A new uh, movie and uh, another car I noticed. And of course, a memory as well. And uh, if nothing else, I hope you have gotten a movie tip out of this. Definitely worth watching uh, Deadly Pursuit. And maybe uh, uh, you had uh, some other memories uh, yourselves from this time that uh, resurfaced. Or maybe you just into some, uh, some old uh, cars and, and find that interesting. If so, my mission is complete. So without uh, much further ado, I'm out of here. Thank you.